You're listening to How to Win with Mike Moore, the podcast that provides you with practical insights on how to win in every arena of life. Introducing the Mike Moore Ministries mobile app, your gateway to spiritual inspiration and godly leadership. With a host of practical features, it's like having a personal spiritual guide in the palm of your hand. Watch and listen to the How to Win podcast, get exclusive early access to the Answers That Work broadcast before it airs on television, receive uplifting and thought-provoking nuggets, and stay up to date with Mike Moore's speaking engagements through an interactive calendar. To download, visit your device's app store and search Mike Moore Ministries. Hello, I'm Mike Moore, and welcome to the How to Win podcast. These podcasts are based off 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It says, Now thanks be unto God, who always causes us to triumph in Christ. Thank God we win, and I'm so glad to have you with us today. I've been teaching on a series that I know is transforming lives. This title is Taking Advantage of Your Advantage. Taking Advantage of Your Advantage. Now, the theme that runs through this series is the advantage believers have when dealing with the death of a loved one. I had a unction, a leading, a prompting from the Holy Spirit to deal with this area of dealing with the death of a loved one. I, uh, and, and I stand in the office of a prophet. God calls me a seer. And so whenever he gives me that nudge, I know that there's something happening and there's someone that has a need or will have a need in the future, and the loving Father that he is, he wants us to, if we're experiencing it, to have his support and his help. And if it's something that we're going to go through in the future, he loves us so much that he wants us to be prepared. So we're talking about taking advantage of your advantage, and this is our third episode. In each episode, we will talk about an advantage that you as a believer, being born again, being a child of the living God, you have an advantage. And in episode one, we talked about the Holy Spirit and how he came to live in you in the new birth and how he is an advantage. And then in episode two, we talked about the peace advantage the supernatural peace that surpasses all, all understanding is available to you. And in this third episode, we're talking about the joy advantage. The joy advantage. As I've meditated on the word of God, and I've walked with the Lord for over 40 years, I see in scripture that joy is often found in the most unlikely place, places. Joy is often found in the most unlikely places. In fact, in Scripture, joy functions best when circumstances are at their worst. The joy advantage. In 1980, around 1984, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and he said that the word is the answer. The word is the answer. 
it's the answer for any need that you will ever have spiritually, mentally, emotionally, relationally, financially. It's the answer to any situation. So the word of God is the answer if you're dealing with the death of a loved one. I always, in my teaching, try to go to the scripture and show people that the what they're dealing with or what they need is in the scripture. It has been addressed by God in his word. So the Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word is established. I'm going to give you three witnesses today. That's Bible uh, references that speak to this subject of joy. The first Proof text, Bible proof text is Habakkuk 3, verses 17 through 19a, the A part of the first part of the verse in the New Living Translation. And Habakkuk is speaking. He's a prophet. He says, even though the fig tree have no blossoms and there are no grapes in the vines, even though the olive crops fail and the fields like empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the field and the cattle barns are empty, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. The sovereign Lord is my strength. Now, listen, listen at what's going on here. He says, even though the fig tree have no blossoms, well, if the fig tree have no blossoms, you're not going to have figs. Even though there's no grapes on the vine, well, if there's no grapes on the vine, you're not going to have grapes. Even though the olive crops fail and the fields are like uh, empty and barren, if the if the olive crop fails, then you, you're not going to have olive oil. You're not going to have productivity. If the fields are barren and empty, empty you're not going to have a harvest. And this is an agrarian society, an agriculture culture. Think about it. This is a farming people. They live off the land. Their prosperity is connected to the land. And then he says, the cattle barns are empty. Think about it. No cattle in the barns. Well, you're not going to have any meat from the cattle. You're not going to have, uh, and, and you're not going to have any uh, possibility of plowing the land. Uh, I mean, you're in trouble. And yet he says, I will be joyful in the Lord. I will rejoice in the Lord. He's the Lord, sovereign, my strength. So Habakkuk outlines the worst possible conditions and circumstances for an agricultural society. Yet it doesn't hinder his joy. Wow. We're talking about the joy advantage. Let's look at another proof text. Let's look at another proof text. And then we'll, we'll, we'll get into this dealing with the death of a loved one. 
In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 2, I read it to you from the NIV translation. It says, out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy, extreme poverty, welled up in rich generosity. Now, I got to slow down and you got to listen very carefully. The Macedonian churches had experienced severe difficulties, severe, severe difficulties. They were in deep poverty. That's that's descriptive. They were in deep poverty. In, In one translation and one commentary said it was rock bottom destitute. In other words, one who has nothing and no hope of getting anything. They were struggling financially. They were persecuted. They lost their jobs. And often it was for their faith. It wasn't because they were lazy. It wasn't because they were disobedient. No, these people in these churches, the Macedonian churches, were in severe trial, overflow, severe trial, extreme poverty because of their faith. In many cases, it was because they refused to submit to, they refused to submit to idolatry. And many times, idolatry was connected to people's livelihood. They created statues. They created gods. They created ornaments to worship their gods. And these believers said, we're not going to do that anymore. We're not going to do it. And they lost their jobs. They lost their means of income. They were excluded. They were persecuted, all because of their faith. Now notice, sandwiched in their trial, severe trial, extreme poverty, yet it says they had overflowing joy. What a paradox. What what a contradiction. Think about it. You've got extreme trials. you got rock bottom poverty. They had nothing because they had lost everything for serving Christ. They had no hope in this environment for getting anything from a natural standpoint. And yet the Bible says they had overflowing joy. But not only that, it said they were rich in their generosity. And I wish I could get into that a little more because the very first verse says the grace of God was on them. They were able to do supernaturally what they could not do in their natural abilities. It did not hinder their joy. Let's look at a a, a third witness, and then we'll get into this. In 1 Thessalonians 1, 6, the Weymouth translation, it says, And you followed the pattern set you by us. And by the master, 
After it received the message amid severe persecution and yet with joy, which the Holy Spirit gives. Now notice it says the same thing. It says these Christians at Thessalonica heard the word, heard the message of Christ, received Christ, and experienced overwhelming persecution because of their faith, because of the word. And yet the Bible says that they had joy, which the Holy Spirit gives. That joy is a part of your advantage. You have an advantage. You can and should experience joy right in the middle of the death. Right in, you can have it right in the middle, not when everything work out, not when you get everything, all the money to bury the person, not when you work through all the financial things and obligations and everything that go through it. Not when you get past the emotions of, of losing your loved one. No, you can have joy right in the middle of it. Joy. Because joy is found often in the most unlikely places. In fact, as we've said, it functions best when circumstances are the worst. So the question is, what is joy? I want to give you a definition. I want you to make a note of it. Go back. And write, make a note of this, put this down. Joy is a spiritual force. It's a what kind of force? It's a spiritual force located in the human spirit of every believer. You have joy on the inside of you. It's a spiritual force located in the human spirit of every believer that is not centered on circumstances, unaffected by outward events, and thrives when things are strenuous, difficult, and troublesome. That is a powerful definition. Joy is a spiritual force. It's located in your human spirit where the Holy Spirit lives in every believer. And this joy that's on the inside of you, believer, is not centered on circumstances. It's unaffected by outward events. It thrives when things are strenuous and difficult and troublesome. It's consistency. It's consistent. And it's consistent because its focus is on the Lord Jesus who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If the focus is on Jesus and he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, then that means you can have joy all the time, all the time. Now, before we get into how to stimulate this joy on the inside, because joy is on the inside of you, why does Satan hate joyful Christians? Because he hates joyful Christians. He wants you sad. He wants you grieving. He wants you quitting. He wants you suicidal. He want, He loves depressed Christians. Satan loves it. Why does he hate joyful Christians? I'll give you four reasons. Number one, joy is the place of strength for the believer. Now, this is going to be counterintuitive. This is going to be 
totally against your natural way of thinking. Joy is the place of strength for the believer. Nehemiah 8.10 says the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of is the place of strength. If you want strength to go through the situation that you're in, if you want joy to manifest through the death of this loved one, then you have to understand that the place of strength for you is joy. Nehemiah 8.10 Second reason why Satan hates uh, joyful Christians is because joy is not a carnal response. It's not a carnal or natural response. Second Corinthians 10, 10, 4 says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not fleshly. They're not human. And see, joy is not a carnal, fleshly, human response. Satan needs believers to respond naturally. He can only push you down. He needs Christians to respond naturally. He needs you to respond the way everybody responds when a loved one dies. He needs you to groan and complain and be angry and curse. He needs you to be bitter and and get into self-pity. Satan needs you to respond naturally because he knows believers cannot respond naturally and receive the supernatural. Oh, did you hear that? Oh, my goodness. You better sit up and you uh, sit up at that table and listen. That's right. You need to sit up now. You need to sit up now. Did you hear what I just said? I said Satan knows believers cannot respond naturally and receive the supernaturally. See, you want comfort. You want peace. You want joy. You want all these things. Those are supernatural, uh, supernatural responses of God on the inside of you. But you cannot respond naturally and receive and experience the supernatural. And that's why Satan wants you depressed. He wants you down. The third reason why Satan hates joyful Christians is because joy enables believers to endure, enables you to endure when life seems unfair. Joy enables you to endure when life seems unfair. Man, think about it. Think about all the unfair things in the world. Think about it. Think about it. Isn't it unfair that you can't raise your child, your child die? Isn't it unfair that your father can't walk you down the aisle and you this is one of the most proudest moments of your life. Isn't that unfair? Isn't it unfair that you don't have a mama and you look around and see other folk, they got their mama, they got their dad, they got their brother, they got their sister. Isn't it unfair? Life is not fair. Heaven is. The kingdom of God is, but not life. But joy helps you to enjoy, do it. Hebrews 12, 2 says, 
that we are to look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who through the joy set before him endured the cross, through the joy set before him endured the cross, he despised the shame, and now he's sitting on the right hand of the Father. He endured because he saw beyond the cross. He saw beyond that situation. And the Bible says that joy enabled him to endure. Acts 16, 25, it says, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. At midnight, when they had been whipped and beaten and, and, and done unjustly, they had been imprisoned wrongfully. They had been beaten unjustly. They had committed no crime. And yet at midnight, in the cell, in a dark, fested, rat-infested, cold jail, the Bible says, at midnight, they prayed and sang praises to God. And it was that, that joy that enabled them to endure. And the fourth reason why Satan hates joyful Christians is because joy gets the attention of the unsaved. Your joy right in the middle of that death, your joy right in the middle of that loss, your joy right in the midst of everybody grieving, your joy gets the attention of the unsaved. The Bible says in Acts 16, 25, Paul and Silas treated unfairly, arrested unfairly, beaten unjustly. Yet at midnight, they prayed and sang hymns to God. But the very next verse, Acts 16, 25, 26 says, well, the, the latter part of Acts 16, 25 says, and the prisoners were listening to them. People see that joy and they want to know how in the world you got that. How can you do that? They had been complaining in prison. They had been groaning in prison. Here are two men. They're praising and worshiping God. They're full of joy. And it got their attention. Let's close this by talking about uh, four joy stimulators. I'll give you an overview and I'll come back. The promises of God. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 1, 6, stir up the gift of God. The Holy Spirit is on the inside and you can stir him up with your faith and he releases forces on the inside of you to help you. So four joy stimulators. Number one, the promises of God. The word of God. When you have death, run to God. Run to the word. Get it. Listen to the word. Get, get the Weep Not series. Listen to it. Run to God. The promises of God will stir up joy on the inside of you. Psalms 35 says, weeping may endure for a night, but joy going to come in the morning. This is temporary. This is, this is not going to last forever. The way you're feeling now is not going to be forever. It is temporary. Those emotions, weeping may endure for a night, but joy is going to come in the morning. Number two, the second joy stimulators is laughter. Proverbs 17, 22 says a joyful heart is good like a medicine. Laughter is a joy stimulator. You need to be laughing. Listen to you or a funny movie. Uh, get around somebody who like to joke and like to talk. Get it. Laughter. Laugh. Job 5, 20, says, He will save you from death in the time of famine. 
and from the power of the sword in the time of war. You will be safe from slander and have no fear when destruction comes. You will laugh at destruction. You will laugh at famine. I'll say something else about that in a moment. The third uh, joy stimulator is responding in a way that's unnatural to what you're feeling. Respond opposite to how you're feeling. Yeah, you're going to feel sad. Yeah, you're going to feel down. Yeah, that's just natural. I'm not saying don't feel anything. I'm not saying you shouldn't feel sad. I'm saying respond differently. Don't go with the flow of it. Respond differently. And the fourth jaw stimulator is a correct focus. Choosing to, you know, I see Christians a lot of times, they have a loved one to die and the loved one is born again and they grieve and grieve and grieve. And the reason why they grieve is because they focus on themselves. I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. I'm just telling you because I want to help you. If you're grieving months, years later, I mean, you're still grieving over that person that died is because your focus is on self, what I lost, what I miss, what I don't have. The Bible says in uh, first, uh, first Philippians 1.21, it says, Paul said, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Your loved one didn't lose, you lost. Your loved one gained. Think about it. Be absent from the bondage, be present with the Lord. They're happy. They dancing on streets of gold. They they wouldn't come back here if they if you if, if you gave them a ticket to come back here. They wouldn't come back here. They're in heaven. There's no place on earth like heaven. All joy, no sadness, no sorrow. Streets of gold, a river of life, beauty everywhere, happiness, joy everywhere. No sickness, no disease, no poverty, no lack. Why in the world would they want to come here? They gain. But see, much of the time, we're not focusing on their gain. We're focusing on our loss. Promises for God, laughter, uh, responding in an unnatural way and correct focus. I'm out of time, but later on I'll tell you about that laughter thing because it is something special. I I'll share with you about that laughter, but laughter is so very important. Listen, I'm out of time, but listen, I love you, and I look forward to seeing you next time. <laughs>